G'day and welcome to the Hunter's Campfire Podcast. My name's Mark and along with good mate Ian, we're here to help with all things hunting. If you're looking to start but don't know where to begin, you want to make the most of your next trip away or even plan to hunt of a lifetime, we've got something for you. You'll find our podcasts on Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon and plenty of others. And if you want more, head over to our YouTube channel. The Hunter's Campfire, where we have plenty of how-to and hunting videos along with the full video production of every podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe, and good hunting. Good evening, gentlemen. How are you all this evening? Good, Jono. Good, good thanks, Jono. Cool. Um, well, obviously, um, tonight we've got the regulars. We've got Mike and we've got Ian, and we've also got Jason um from naya is that right naya like tire correct naya is correct not naya naya okay so um we've just had an education piece on that one because we've all been pronouncing that incorrectly um i think we've all been calling it naya so it's good to get that um the correct pronunciation from yourself good evening uh welcome to the podcast um thank before you we get appreciate started, um we're just going to have a quick round table with mark and ian and see how they're going mark how are you going uh, very well, thank you very much. I still have, um, I don't know what, you, not buyer's remorse, but Northern Territory longing. I think bulldog fever they call it. Don't yeah, bulldog bull, bull, fever. Yeah, okay, uh, bulldog fever. That 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 that'd be just good, Eddie. Yeah, I'm still kind of, yeah, it's funny. Um, I'm still missing the place. Uh, and uh, but the good news is I've completed or almost completed the first video. For those listening, if this gets out before the videos gets out, we're or we're going to release, release three or four videos around the Northern Territory. So we've got a 25-minute uh, video underway, and I'll even put out a preview probably this Friday. So that's my big piece of work at the moment. And, of course, on Friday, I'm going back up to the Brisbane Valley to continue my Friday Arvo hunts um, and see what I can put on the ground. Oh, Ian, how are you going? No, I'm, I'm similar to Mark, except I've had another trip since then, as you know. <laughs> so so have I. I was there. <laughs> I know, it was just unreal. Um, yeah, we got back from uh, from Buffalo, and I, I'm still touching down from that, to be honest. It was it really was an epic trip. And um, just just reliving it through the video editing is, is a lot of fun. I was saying uh, in, the, in the preamble before we hit the go button on this podcast that um, I was just watching some of Mark's editing work, and, man, it is. It is a lot of fun, a lot of humour, a lot of good times. So that's a trip we won't forget in a long, long time. But um, no, John and I then uh, packed up the campers and, and hit Fraser Island for seven days. And we had a blast up there, far out. Awesome. Um, and, I, and I think even though this is a, a hunting style podcast, fishing is considered hunting, isn't it, fellas? So good enough. Um, there'll be a in bit of a book. Fraser Island chat coming up. It was, man, <laughs> it was some fun stuff going up there. So. Uh, anyway, we'll leave it at that, but um, having a good time, um, struggling to actually get into my day job, but um, that's another problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as for myself, obviously, yeah, NT still, you know, still big up up there for me. That was just an awesome trip. And then to follow that up with a, a few days on Fraser, that just really topped off the year, I think. We've had a great year. Um, I think that's probably it from a trip perspective for this year, I think, from big trips anyway. Um, now it's time to start planning for next year. Um, so yeah, but anyway, let's let's move on. We've got a, our guest here this evening. So Jason, welcome, uh, welcome Thank to Hunters Campfire. Um, 
Yeah, so why don't you, obviously you're from Naya, um, could you please, um, yeah, just give us a bit of a background on yourself and, and, and what you guys do out there? Sure, uh, thanks again for having me on, guys. Uh, it's good to, to speak to you guys and your listeners. Um, so Naya is a, a large company these days. Um, we a Queensland-based company, started in 1963 selling fruit on the side of the road, evolved to selling uh, firearms in 1973. Um, out of a tyre shop and a general service station up in the Maryborough region of Queensland. And um, the business has really grown strength to strength in the sporting market. And in recent years, we've seen some some success with uh, the government work regarding um, supplying ammunition and, and weapon systems to the Australian Defence Force. So mm. NIA has a, a great uh, routing in the sporting market of Australia, it's it's where we cut our teeth. What Rob and his family are, are passionate about. Um, so that Bill Nye, for example, was a clay target shooter and, and a hunter. Um, Rob regales us with many uh, quilpie hunting trips and those kind of uh, trips. Um, so you know, Nye really sees itself as as a um, grassroots Australian company that's that's seen some success and through hard work and dedication to the sport. So. Um, that's sort of a little bit of a story on on, on Nye and where we've where we've been and and where we're we're going. I guess is a whole nother story. Um, the success in the defence and and government spaces has been, I think, on the public spectrum now for the last couple of years, and I don't see that changing. That Rob is looking to expand where he can, and and particularly in sovereign capabilities is a big thing we're trying to to do, which I, I imagine will have uh, a lot of uh, down flow effect for the Australian commercial sports shooter. Um, there's lots of plans at play to, to help support um, the Australian uh, hunter through other mechanisms, which are, I think will be announced in, in coming weeks, months and, and years, um, which is be interesting to see where the company goes. As far as myself, I'm a country boy from New England in New South Wales. Um, grew up from a, like most Australian young lads, grew up shooting, fishing, hunting from, I can remember I was the spotlight kid on the back of the ute because <laughs> I was such a big kid. Um, you know, I can remember dad and all these mates and I'd be, you know, eight, 10, 12 and, you know, as big as most, most sort of smaller stature blokes at that time. And I was the spotlight kid and I started from that sort of age, particularly on those Friday night and Saturday night, um, particularly fox shoots and I've evolved my career into uh, uh, the sporting side, rifle shooting, competition work. Um, being a part of clubs is, is something I enjoy, the camaraderie of clubs, just like uh, hunting, getting out with your mates, it, it gives me a similar satisfaction. And um, I, I guess in, the, in recent years, I've joined industry groups like uh, the Western Australian Firearm Dealers Association, I've been based in Western Australia for 10 years and hmm. moved to moved to Brisbane and um, recently to take on the marketing manager for sporting um, position. So, yeah, I've, I've had a broad spectrum of experience across the state, but, uh, the states particularly in the uh, selling of, of all the gear that we all use in the field. So um, that's sort of me in a real one-minute nutshell, if I can, if I can do that. Um, but uh, yeah, happy to drill down on anything you guys wanna wanna pick my brain about or have some conversations about. Sure. 
You, when you said New England, I think we spoke about it sometime before. You, you grew up near Nundle State Forest, didn't you? Yeah. So huh. my parents, my parents live at Woolaman right now, um, at the base yep. of the Nundle Range there near Chaffee Dam. So, yep. Um, but I primarily grew up in Tamworth, Baraba, around that area, and spent some time over at Taree Flathead fishing in the Manning River. But um, primarily in that New England region of of uh, New South Wales. So yeah, lots of lots of experience being in that Great Divide section of the New England range. There, um, pigs, deer, you name it, you could see it there. It's it's one of the best hunting locations I've ever found in in Australia. Now, admittedly, I've not done a lot of Victorian hunting before, but there's not many places where you can be hunting flatland crop style cull cull work and ten minutes drive. You're in you know three thousand foot mountains you know, chasing deer or, you know, big scrub balls up and that blackberry stuff, so. It's an awesome uh, spot. It is yeah. a great spot, mm. yeah. Yeah. Have you have you um, hunted it in recent years under the uh, licence system? I've had a R licence for many years and unfortunately, basically about the time I got the R licence, I uh, moved to Western Australia to, to work for Naya. And I, so I actually haven't hunted under my R license at mm. all, but I've kept paying for it. So I've, we might I've, have to reintroduce you to the <laughs> yeah, yeah, I might have picked that up. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm but, really interested to see, uh, to hear your thoughts on, on what it's like now compared to the years ago that you used to hunt it. You know, and, you know, obviously um, species have expanded. Sure. In terms of the herd sizes and things like that. But, yeah, I'm just interested in your thoughts. But not having hunted it for a while, that becomes difficult. Uh, maybe think, on the next chat. Yeah, look, but I think I could probably – I've got a lot of family and, and friends mm. that hunt there. I think one thing that I've noticed from being a, a kid and growing up in that area, deer were talked about greatly. And with the expansion up through Merriwar and Musselbrook across the, you know, across the tops there – the, the amount of people that see them on the side of the road now, like going to my parents' place uh, down there, if, if you want to crawl through any of those back roads, it's very common to be talking to, you know, some farmers that I've known out there for 25 or 30 years. And, oh, no, we have them in the back paddock all the time now. You know, they're just, they're, they're there. And yeah. I don't really remember that those conversations at all. Deer were more of a... Um, you know, sort of the the dream, if you like. You, you really had to go looking for them. They, they weren't the population. They were, they were in pockets. Um, but now they are so common along that range, you know, right up through Armidale, across the Tenerfield. I did some hunting a couple of years ago in Tenerfield and there was fallow everywhere at Tenerfield. Hmm. Um, you know, it was goats, fallow. Oh, look, you didn't know which way to point your rifle. Um, and I think that speaks to the expanse, particularly of deer, Across the across the range, which um, is really seen the, from a commercial point of view, the stores in that area of which I've worked in um, in the last fifteen years, the hunters rather than shooters that are starting to enter the market, is been mm. particularly because there's deer species now that are rel- relatively easy to access, and people want to know what's this deer stuff because, as you guys know, a lot of a lot of people grew up shooting on the back of the ute like myself, and I'm sure you guys, and it was more coal work than it was deer hunting, if you oh, know what sure. I mean. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, you probably find that the average, which is not to knock the colours, because you know, they, they have a different different part to play, um, 
but the, the average hunter, I guess, that, that does it recreationally uh, will go into those shops and spend a lot of money on their equipment and their accessories for the volume of shots they let off compared to, um, you know, the, the, the professional shooters because they've got their rifle and, the, you know, their bulk ammo and things like that. They're not necessarily buying the packs and the gear that goes with it. So, you know, mm. the boost in the, the, the hunting economy must have been pretty massive oh, over the last little while. Yeah. I think if anyone's been to, to areas like Tamworth and seen the, the great stores that are now there available yeah. to a hunter, yeah. I mean, there's some great, really great stores in that area. And, yeah, that whole New England area seemed uh, um, a great pop-up of, of good, retailers now really looking to to help anyone they can and a lot of those retailers are giving back um uh, special mention to uh, craig at caliber country he's a great hunter and you know i've known craig for many years and um he's someone that really loves getting out there and amongst particularly in that number state forest area and um you know if you want to talk about dedicated hunters there's those guys and you know the guys at Tenway firearms have, have always been a great great um service to that area in the community and and been well well versed on what's going on in the market. So you know, if you're specifically talking about that base of the range there and looking for some advice, so I, you know, steer, steer your your hunters to to that area, to your listeners yeah, to that area. Very good point. Because yeah. you find when you, you you drop over to New Zealand and hunt there, um, you know, you'll go into the hunting and fishing stores that are over there, and each one of those stores is is, is geared up for the type of hunting that's around them. You know, when you go into the store in Telpo, it's it's trout fishing and deer shooting and, and hunting pigs. And if you if you go, you know, in different areas where there's no trout, you know, and it's it's on the coast, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be saltwater fishing and things like that. It, mm. We haven't really had shops that are geared like that. They're more just a general um, supply and you know, a little bit of merch. But it's great to see that stores down places like Tamworth are doing that, and and similar down in Victoria. Oh, for sure. And and yeah. I think this is again the emergence of the industry in the last, you know. Uh, I hate to steer the conversation, but in the last three or four years, with all these um, all these new shoot, shooters and hunters, I'm going to say both, but mm. hunters that now have gone, geez, I've had nothing to do. I haven't been able to get out of my house for uh, you know a couple of years, and, mm. and we'll talk about COVID. I think for many years to come, what it's done to our industry, and I think what it's having time to watch people like yourself. Um, and a whole heap of other YouTubers and the popularity of hunting shows on things like Netflix now where there's some, some key players in that market. There's now guys with the tools, with the time, and with um, an idea now that, hey, there's more than just going to the rifle range and putting some holes in paper. I actually want to get some food or there's I, I've heard of a, of a club or an association, whether it's the ADA or AA Hunter or whatever, whatever their local area is. I think we're... We're doing a better job as an industry in capturing those people as they've popped up, particularly in the last couple of years. Yeah. One of my, I just says before we were talking about, just did a family road trip and we do them twice a year. And remarkably, they generally end up near gun shops. Um, <laughs> just just happens that way. And one of them was caliber, one of them was caliber country uh, in Tamworth, um, and the other one was Hunters Haven in um, mm. in uh, Armadale. And talk about spend money. Yeah, uh, yeah, I do that. Uh, well, in fact, with Hunters Haven, they used to be on the highway there at Urella. Yeah. So they had a, they had a, yeah. And it was kind of, well, not ritual, but every time I went to Hunt Nundle, I would buy something 
you know, I'm not talking about a, a lollipop or something like that. I'd buy something from there that was, you know, and the, the reality is, like Ian was saying, you know, it was stuff that you couldn't get for a trip to New South Wales in Queensland, mostly clothing. Yeah. So, you know, they were selling the the Hunter's Element stuff that you couldn't buy in Queensland, you know. So yeah. rather than trying to madly try and buy something online or find it here in Queensland if you could, we used to just go, okay, almost like an outfitter, you know. We'd pull in <clears> there and go, I want a, I want a, a proper jacket for Nundle. There's one off the shelf. Same with... Um, John and his boots, lo- lovely just... daughter do have a great little shop there. They have a great shop. Mm. Oh, yeah, they were, and Armadale is fantastic. Yeah. So I was in there and I bought... Well, I was in there, tried on a pair of boots. I didn't have exactly the ones I want, but I tried them on there. And again, I'd been wanting to go there for some time. Went in there and, um, uh, you know, tried on the boots and then said, well, order them in for me. And two weeks later, well, they almost beat me home type thing. So, <laughs> so yeah, those... There is that. There's a real, and it's the same. Well, we went into the um, the BCF and spoke about fishing because we were down there in a bit of fishing as well. You know, there's there's a kind of approach to, to you know what you might call fishing, which is you kind of go to a bank and you, you drown some bait and you know. But then there was the, there was the people who were okay. This is what we're going to do. We're going to. This is how we're approaching it. They got you know they've got all the gear they've got the 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 dedication and the time and it's producing the results they want and especially with Copeton Dam now it overflowing it seems mm-hmm. to be you know that it's really kicked off again down there which is great to see that that you know that dedication to it like a sporting life outdoors is is fantastic to see and be around and that that's one of the reasons why I really like that region is it has that feel to it you know mm-hmm. oh, there's a lot of there's a lot of um it's a culmination area that you've got so many different you've got people that have tree changed from sydney mm-hmm. into a large regional town that that want to experience something so there's lots of opportunity there's they've got good resources locally you've got active clubs you've got great stores and you've got access um mm-hmm. in in the r license program so um when it comes to the fishing side of things you know tell my fishing tackles one of the you know, greatest shops going around that area. Call in and see the team there if you ever ever through there. They got a great shop. Um, but just a little bit further up the road from from Copeton, um, I should say down the road from Copeton, you've got things like Split Rock, which I used to live in Baraba, and I've never seen Split Rock full, and it's spilling right now. From yeah. I just I had a conversation with my family just two hours ago, and they said it's spilling, and they're going to go mm. make a special trip to go and have a look at it because. Yeah. They had never seen a spill in their, their lifetime. So, wow, yeah. 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 yeah, we just we just come back from a, a hunt for deer just on the other side of Copeton Dam, and it was it was it was amazing just to just to cross the dam wall. Um, you know, the, the water's as high as it can possibly be, and you can only imagine how deep that thing is by oh. peering over the other side. You know, yeah, it's an amazing piece of infrastructure. But um, yeah, it's nice to see everything full. It, yeah. it is. Well, we've actually got a family photo. We were, cause we were down there in 2019 when it was empty, and we were at the where you cross over the, the damn wall, and there's a little place you can pull over. And I've got a photo, and there's goats at the bottom of the wall. I'm taking, as you can see them. We could watch them run around. And now it's literally going over the going. You know, it's, you know, it's going over the spillway. So mm. it's I don't, know, I don't know how many meters that is, but it's you know it's it's a significant it's a light. 
So mm. the amount of water is just phenomenal. And he said, and and the other dams down there, are, and the, and the rivers themselves, everything is just green and and full of water and full of life. So it's a great time to get down there. Mm. Oh, mate. I, I I spoke to you before we started. I, I did a little trip to Western Australia and back very recently, and uh, coming through, you know, at, way out the the back blocks there, you know, coming in from Broken Hill, all that area. Um, I've never seen so many budgies, like the budgie flocks just yeah. dive bombing the car and all those sort of things. You just when that country's been starved of water for so many decades, and you, it just comes back to life when. There's so much water around mm. and water laying around. The goat population, like our Cobar, is. Yeah. I've never seen it green on the side of the road. That goat population uh, was so big, as particularly when you're seeing triplets, like every second or third nanny uh, seemed to have twins, and then you'd see this little little triplet one in there. Like mm. you just don't hear of that very often. Yeah, go on the Cobar. <laughs> well, no, we, we, we drove from, because we stayed at Lightning, at the beginning of the year, we stayed at Lightning Ridge and drove out to Burke. And yeah, it's like, go, 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 just, just drive yeah. all the way, just, there's goats everywhere. And you, you know, it, you're right, because we were out, I mean, even in the first year of the rains, we came down from um, uh, Longreach down to Windora to Quilpie. And like I was saying to the boys, oh, we're going to the desert. So when we drove up the coast and we came in from Rockhampton there through, through the Gladstone Bypass and stuff like that, it was kind of dry. And then we got to Emerald. It was pretty nice. And then we kept going. <laughs> got greener and greener. <laughs> it was the opposite. And that drive down, that drive from Longreach down to, through to eventually Quilpie, you know, it's a 450k drive or something like that. And mm. I'd say 300k of it, there's water on the side of the road. Yeah, <laughs> there's just, just water everywhere. So Where's the desert? We've got, we've got a number of years of, of, of growth coming up in the in the, in the game population. And oh, the block I, even the little block I hunt in, in Brisbane Valley, um, the amount of just young deer that are on the trail mm. camps and young pigs that are on the trail camps is pretty amazing. So we're, we're in for it. So... It now is is the time. Na- nature knows when the time to procreate That's is right. be- yeah. better than anyone else can now ever Now's the time. Yeah. Yeah. You want to get out there, now's the time. So I suppose swinging to um, Naya, so what So what brands would someone you know know that, that you guys carry? Uh, well, probably a really big one would be Federal Ammunition and Remington okay. Ammunition. Um, mm-hmm. They're two, two big brands that uh, Naya distribute. Uh, brands like Loophole Rifle Scopes, um, you know, been around for a considerable amount of time now, over 100 years, mm. um, and, and really good high-end stuff like Lapua, um, Bushnell, uh, you know, there's plenty of Nosla, um, when you, Swift projectiles, you know, there's a lot of, we have a lot of Anschutz rifles, we've got a lot of bespoke, we actually have got to have over 50 brands. No, so okay. quite well, a lot of... Uh, Hoppy's cleaning gear, you know, some of the small accessories like Allen's, Primos, um, you know, a lot of those little bits and pieces. But, um, you know, we're, we've started small and, and built to where we are today and we've built off getting a, getting a good brand and, and making sure that we, we service that good brand and brands tend to come to us these days without trying to sound too uh, cocky. But it, it, I think a lot of things happen in our businesses uh, 
expands over a lifetime. And I think if you can you can give good service and have manufacturers here that you, you have good service and you have good relations, the manufacturers talk amongst themselves and yeah. we tend to get a lot of manufacturers knocking on our door these days. We, we don't have to chase them quite as, as hard as we, we used to, which is which is always nice. But, um, you know, we work really hard to keep, keep the brands that we have. And um, like I said, there's a lot of brands out there that people probably didn't know they get from us. Um, like I said, some people not sure how to pronounce our name, let alone what, what we sell. But um, mm. one of the great things that we do, and you've probably all seen it in your, in your uh, local gun stores, a hot products catalogue. So, yes, mm, I've actually got it here somewhere. <laughs> it's uh, about pretty close to 500-page yes. uh, catalogue that we do, and um, there's is quite small at the top of that, and it's so not everyone knows, but everything from that catalogue comes from us. Yeah, I got it sent to me earlier okay. in the year, and I kind of went, I was going, oh. you know, there was, there was this, what did I buy that I've forgotten about? <laughs> what is this scene? What is this scene? And I realised I didn't. I, I, it was sent to me by someone else. And I was going, "What is this thing? What is it?" It's because you know, it, it's it's a it's a tome. <laughs> you know, it, it, if you've got a wobbly coffee towel, this will fix it. Um, yeah, it's a fair size. I, I yeah, dragged one home from the gun shop when I was down in Brizzy, and my wife hit it. <laughs> she took it and she hit it somewhere because she that's just right. thought there was far too much stuff. Yeah, there. that's like went missing. Yeah. Yeah, that's like the Santa Claus book of all Santa Claus books. Yeah, look, yeah. They, they do crop up in front. I've seen them getting my car serviced over the years, and you see them quite often on mechanics coffee tables and yeah. places yeah. like they do pop up in, in sort of some blokey environments, if you know what I mean. Um, but, uh, look, that is something that probably guys don't know is we just released uh, a Naya magazine. So uh, only in the last three weeks. Hmm. We, so that's... Uh, I've seen, uh, it, I have seen the ad for it. I haven't seen one in the flesh. Yeah, I've seen so the ad for it. It's, it's a really inside look into, into Nye. It's an extension of the Hot Products catalogue. So it has some products that uh, couldn't make it into the, the big, thick Hot Products catalogue at the start of the year. You know, we've, whether we've acquired new brands or manufacturers have released them mid-year, um, we, we put those extra products in there. But there's a, a big focus on hunting in that magazine. Um, the front cover is is got Dave Littlejohn, our uh, longest-serving staff member. He's been there longer than most people. He's our first-ever staff member, Bill Nye, hired. So Dave's been there for 35 years. Um, Dave's our current Queensland rep for um, Nye, and he went on elk hunt in oh. Montana a couple of years ago with a oh. bow. And uh, so Dave wrote, a, wrote an article and uh, got a four or five page article out of that and put that in there. And then Fraser, our, um, our boss of our new New Zealand business that we've, we've bought recently, uh, Fraser went on a, another big, uh, I think it was a Wapiti or a Red Deer hunt in, in New Zealand. And so there's a, a quite a lot of hunting featured in there uh, as well as new product information. So, um, you know, get your hands on one of them if, you've, if you're really looking to see what else we do um hmm. it is a it is a focus on our, our team to we're really trying to explain hey we, we're just not faceless men selling hunting gear for for money we are all shooters we are people that get out there in the field use the products and we we're trying to show the world that we're just not you know we're just not the guy selling stuff um 
you know, not not a machine. If you know, we're we're all invested in this because we are all shooters. Fantastic. I think I I'm, I think I met Fraser. You might have at, at at the dinner. Yeah, he. I think he might. Oh, that was Simon. 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 Yeah, yeah that was Simon. I, I yeah. forgot that guy's name, so yeah. I'm glad you jumped in there. <laughs> yeah, no, that was Simon. So yeah. uh, we yeah. we recently acquired uh, Sportways Distributorship in New yeah, Zealand. That, um, I, yeah, the, the story kind of got explained, but <laughs> I was I was drinking rum, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that was that was Simon. So, um, but yeah, we, we recently acquired Sportways. Um, which has been rebranded as Nine New Zealand. Nice. So a part yeah. of our expansion uh, into the global market. So, um, but again, yeah, yeah focusing on... I've got a follow-up question The, the big Mark. question is, can you get us a tank? <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, that's, that's the day. That's the day. Um, or at least like a, you know, with a, lab, a, a, a Bushmaster or something like that, because, you know, can you get us something like that? Mate, I, I'm telling you that you are asking the wrong end of the horse when you're asking those kind of questions. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. that would be nice. the wrong you get us end a tank. Because it's usually the back end of the horse with all the firepower. Um, <laughs> uh, I've got a follow-on question for you from Mark about the brand. Um, sure. And I'm reasonably well known as the guy that doesn't really know much about stuff. Um, I just like going hunting. I ask all the dumb questions. Um, yeah. I'm looking at your website, and there are some very well-known brands on there. But are there any? I know you guys manufacture for defence, and it's stuff we won't even cover because we probably can't talk about it anyway. Um, but how much of that filters down into sporting? And do you, in the sporting arena? manufacture your own product as well or is it all sort of distributorship so for sporting uh at the moment it's definitely all um distributorship yeah um that's what we we built the the brand on we don't go to china and you know some of the big box stores around the world go to china or the asia pacific look for someone to make something the same as someone else's product and rebrand it as their own brand um we, we tried that. We've, we've bought a few of our own brands of safes in over the years and things like that, and, and we've found that the big brands that are 50 or 100 years old tend to uh, tend to They're not just sell better, but, but in general uh, people feel a little bit more comfortable in, in spending yeah. their hard-earned yeah. dollar on, on a brand that they know is going to be around for sure. another 50 yeah. or 100 years. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, but we are all distributorship um, in the sporting market. There's definitely brands that cross both our defence and sporting market um, space. So, uh, there's quite a lot of brands that we res represent that brand in the defence space as well as the the sporting space. And there's a few that we we do only in defence and some only in sporting. So, it's mm. it's a mixed bag. But we don't manufacture anything right now for the sporting market. Yeah, yeah. So and do you guys have anything to do with what happens with the, the sporting products that come out of Lithgow? With, um... uh, no. Okay. That's that's all another brand, unfortunately. Yeah. No, no. I know that, you know, because that's probably the only, what, onshore manufacturing that's happening at the moment, uh, at, at, any, at scale. Mm, I mean, yeah. there's a lot of people make stuff in Australia, but that's probably the only one at, at scale. Okay. There's lots of little bespoke guys yeah, that's right. making, bit, scale, making bits and pieces. Yeah. That's right. And there's some very nice stuff getting made. Um, I've got a ridiculous collection of, you know, handmade knives. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there's um, 
No shortage of those guys. I yeah, actually... like, yeah, as I said, I'm, I'm like I'm off the flame with those things. Um, <laughs> honestly. Um, and and yeah, torches. Like a... yeah, well, no, torches are okay because at least, well, if someone made torches, it'd be even worse. At least with torches, you know, I kind of... that'd be a tough market to I find a brand torches. and I, I find a brand and I stick with that brand. But with knives, you know, anyone who's got a shiny knife on their stand, I tend to go, oh, yeah, that looks great. I'll have that. And then think... What am I going to do with this thing? So I've got a, I've got a really nice collection of you know never never used knives, yeah, but, uh, not- and they're all bespoke, made by someone. I just I just I I admire manufacturing, especially the prop- that kind of level manufacturing. Yeah, um, and so yeah, it's great to see that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's interesting. I mean, do you think uh, I don't want to load the question up anyway? Because you know, but do you think there is an op? There is. Um, would there be a mark- could Australia support? Uh, uh, you know, a um, a homegrown manufacturer. Oh, or I think just- so. You do? Okay. I, I think there's space for it. Um, I think there's probably lots of people working on that. The working on lots of different plans right now. Yeah. Um, the. I, I don't operate in the dispense the defence space. Yeah. I don't don't presume to speak for that. But I think if anyone's watching the news right now, um, you can see that there's quite a bit of money being spent in the defence force. Yeah. And I think to make local manufacture viable, um, in my opinion, having um, a defence option within that that business and a sporting product, I think would go hand in hand. I think you'd find um, there'd be a lot of business case reasons, particularly if there was going to, if it wasn't a private-owned enterprise and there was going to be government money invested. I think that entity, whoever would do it, would need to be looking at both us, you know, being able to uh, export some product both in the defence space and and the sporting market space yeah. uh, to make that viability mm-hmm. of of that manufacturing plant uh, yeah work. that's it so if they had the if they had if they had the anchor of the uh, defense contract because those things last for a long time mm. um so having that anchor then yeah oh okay that's interesting I because i know i know i know you guys are you know you've got what a manufacturing plant up there at maribara yeah so that's that's, ammo. that's, that, that's, that's, that's Ammo that's measured in hundreds of mils, though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that, that's, that's not nine. Um, point, that's not nine point three. That's not nine fifty five and stuff like correct. that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, is, the, so I can touch on that a little bit. So that's um, a joint venture between Nair mm-hmm. and Rheinmetall. Yep. So which is a German uh, mm-hmm. company, uh, and that's an artillery forging plant. Yeah. So mm. all it does is forge the the shell. Um, mm-hmm. There's no high explosive. Um, to my knowledge, in that plant, so it's extruding, machining out of billets, all sorts of uh, things. It's a very, it's a state of art, the art facility. Currently, it is the most sophisticated one five five forging plant in the world. So, uh, it's are they the making newest. the projectiles or the casings? My understanding, it's the casings. Oh, uh, okay. I've never stepped foot on that. No, no, but no, my no, understanding, but... it's the it's the casing, uh, mm, and they are doing. The, I think there's lots of. Uh, steps in in that up yeah. there, and uh, it's such a big uh, big facility. And um, like I said, I'm, I'm no no expert in that part of what's going on there because it is a, a joint venture and something that I don't dabble in every day. Yeah. But uh, I think you'll need some special so, special clearance to get in there. I think. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, I mean it, it, obviously what goes on there is is is, is of, of um, you know is not to be 
obviously it's, it's secret, but I mean it's a, it's a, it's a known it's a known entity. Mm. Um, yeah, it's, it's not so secret that every right, well, politician's been yeah, there. That's right. That's right. Taking a photo out the front. <laughs> that's right. Everyone goes there, shakes it, you know. <laughs> Instead of a, sh- a silver shovel, they or gold shovel, they got a gold casing above their head. Or something like that. Yeah. It's actually been um, a great story for for the Maryborough region up there. Mm, yeah, um, because that that community, and again, Robbie's all about sovereign capabilities, and he's about Queensland and about Australia, and that's his home area. And for him to be able to be a part of a facility that gave back 120 or 130 jobs back to a community that really started to suffer once the train manufacturing right. in that, really, that area mm. died off. Um, it's been a real boost to that, that community. And I, I think uh, I wouldn't be surprised if you walked up there and, and used the word Nire. And, and I think the community would be happy to, to you know, speak those words up there because uh, it's brought a lot, of, um, a lot of change back to the town and a lot of excitement and invigoration. There's actually a couple of other defence companies um, doing some manufacturing and, and building in the aerospace side of things up there. So it's becoming a, a little defence hub really quickly up there. Yeah, that, that's, it's interesting. I know, again, kind of drifting, but there's there's a remarkable about how much that actually is happening, you know, around the place. I mean, you know, from the, the when they were, make, they were putting the Tigers together over there, over at, you know, down Lytton or whatever it was. And I think um, the... They're gonna one of the factories they're building out there at um, Red Bank is something to do with the fans mm. and is what's happening. And the one of the reasons why I, I know about the Maribara one was I actually worked in Maribara or just outside of Maribara for years, and I also happened to work for Queensland Rail once upon a time. And when they were, you know, that, that was uh, I can't I think it was called Walkers once upon a time when they used to make trains out of it. they used to make the trains out of there so it's it is a, it's a, a long-term manufacturing area that's kind of ebbed and flows so it's so, interesting just from my perspective from someone who's knows yeah. nothing about manufacturing to to have a, a green site to pushing the first shells out as we speak two years mm. um mm-hmm. and i think that that probably speaks to a lot of people's dedication to get it across the line um because it, it will be a good story and is a good story for every Australian, to, to be really mm. honest. I think every every Australian is going to see a benefit of this, our own capabilities for, um, you know, crossing is the, the worst thing never happens. But right now with what's going on um, in the world, 155 artillery is the most sought-after ammunition type in the world right now. Mm. Um, I saw. I, I read something very similar about that in the the um, on the you know in the paper. Yeah, um, yeah. The Yanks are saying they're getting close to their um like their 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 level that they want to have you know their their minimum stock, level yeah. of, of war stock. So they're going to go shopping. Yeah, mm. and all that's to do with donating it to Ukraine. That's right. Yeah. So yeah, they're actually all... saying we're we're running at low. Uh, you know, mm. minimum level. But so I think to to circle back where we started, and anything that any manner any company, regardless of the name, can do to to produce something here in Australia that has a a domestic application and a government application, I think is sure to be a great Australian success story. Success story moving forward. Yeah, and and I think there's the opportunity for people to step up to that that plate and, and the benefit will filter all the way down to it might happen next week for the Australian hunter or shooter or but in two years time 
yeah, I can see upcoming things that are really going to benefit, you know, people in our, you know, guys that just want to go for a shot. Mm. So. And I keep circling back that we want that tank. Um, so, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> or at least something with six wheels. Oh, it doesn't have to be a tank. Tank tank would be probably a problem with tracks, you know. But something with six wheels would be cool. Uh, I, if you, I, I if could you share with you, I could share with you a video of. This uh, is <laughs> definitely a sidetrack. Um, one of my colleagues at work had a um, a dodgy car, and that he had a big fight with the manufacturer, and that dodgy car ended up in a park down near Brisbane that we ran over with a Sherman tank. Yeah, I, I was, I, I, I was oh, the okay. proud person on the top of that tank with the GoPro oh, on the day. Really? <laughs> I didn't I, know that. I paid I, the, highest, the highest amount to sponsor it. <laughs> I, do know, I, do know, I, do know, I do know that particular event because I, I do know, know the manufacturer that you're talking about. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I remember no, seeing no, that paper. I didn't, know you, I didn't know that you were associated with I was with the dude. Right? I was on the top. <laughs> there's yeah. uh if you look down on Kingsford Smith and Sugar Mill Road corner, there's always lots of uh Bushmasters parked down there yeah, if yeah, you want to go and have a there's I a few painted new crane colours down there at the moment. Yeah, I just oh. think it's something with six to eight wheels would be cool. Oh, yeah. Anyway. Just a, you know, just a combination. It'd look cool. Put a trailer on your car, mate. <laughs> That's right, put a trailer on, on the back of the mate, What I want to know is who's got enough money to fill it up with diesel? Well, I don't know. I reckon we park somewhere. I just think we park somewhere and we just kind of make it a home base, you know? <laughs> <laughs> we'll do podcasts out of it. Yeah. That'd be podcast pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> um, on that, how much diesel does it take? How much can it take? How much? I've heard these stats before. Some ridiculous amount of money in oh, yeah. one. Yeah. Mm. Uh, too much money, I would think. Right. Mm. Yes. Uh, when I was at... A, 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 Real little kid, we used to have a holiday home, or we had a shack over on Coochie Mudlow Island. Um, it was actually a very nice shack, but it was still a shack. No power, no water, and stuff like that. So it was up because, and uh, the only way on Coochie Mudlow was by private boat or by the daily ferry that used to go across. And um, there was roads over there, but it, the way that those roads were, were accessed was either somehow people got a car over there and it stayed there, it never, it never <laughs> left that island. And there was a guy, I remember this as a kid, I still remember, there was a kid, a guy who bought an old um, or ex-army um, duck. And I remember when I was like four years old or something, I remember this thing just coming out of the, you know, coming at the beach and then coming out of the beach and just <laughs> driving up and driving into the into the scrub. And it's just like these four wheels that just appeared out of nowhere and I thought, that is the greatest vehicle I've ever seen. <laughs> You're talking <laughs> the old 1950s sort yeah, of just Brit- like British a boat, film sort of Like yeah, a yeah. boat with four wheels, basically. <laughs> <laughs> like that thing, big big prow on it and four wheels and it just drove straight up and he, he used to do supply runs and bring stuff over for people and stuff like that. That couldn't get on the ferry. It was a, it was a great place to live. Mm. So bouncing all over the place. If I if I wanted to um, get into hunting, what would what's the connection between what you guys do and, and what would that connection be for someone like myself? So if I've got no knowledge i've got i don't have you know i don't come off the farm and i haven't been shooting rabbits off the back of a truck under a spotlight where do you guys see that as a, as a, as a potential customer for you guys i i think um people would come to us uh, we we answer i get I'll, I'll frame the i'll frame the answer a little bit different about 70 percent of our daily inquiry on the telephone now uh, 
at Naya is consumers. Oh, it's okay. not our wow. dealer okay. network, it's consumers. It's consumers looking for us for, hey, where can I get this? Can you give us some advice on this? Um, so from that, that port of call, I think if you start to Google, like if you're someone with no knowledge, I think the internet is the place you would go. And I think if you, if you start looking at hunting or products, I think you'd probably find you land on our page pretty quickly. Um, and with a li very limited amount of research, you'd, you'd pre pretty quickly find that, um, you know, hey, we're probably someone that you can call and ask a few things of. And I think the connection really would be for us is that first gun. Hey, I, I, I really want to get into pig shooting. I've got a mate that's, or a mate of a mate that's sort of starting to get interested. Um, hey, I, I saw a thing about an Adler on TV, you know, hey, what's this all about? Um, you know, without digging up some old bones, but that's, uh, that you know, there's people that have just become aware of certain products. Um, and generally we would have either a call come in and we would direct them to some, some brands or, or to their local store normally for, to seek that advice. But I think their first gun is is generally, hey, I, I, you know, I want to start a discipline, whether it's a, a sporting or hunting or th that first port of call. I think is where our first connection with with new people, new shooters, new hunters is, and then after that, it's normally back up and service. Hey, I've got this product. Can I have this looked at? Um, Hey, I had this great experience. Do you have one coming? Because my local dealer doesn't have one. Can you give me some inside knowledge on when that's coming? So, but definitely the first port of call is generally that that first step past Google, and they're looking to to get a product. Yeah, and I mean, this is really something that we're really interested in because you know, big part of what why we started was to help people get started. So it's always interesting to understand the kind of questions people are asking. Yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, one of the things that I suppose I've noticed over time is that there is now a, uh, I suppose, a transition to being a hunter rather than a shooter for a lot of people. I mean, there is guys who are most definitely shooters, and I mean, long range practical is a great example of that. That's what they're, that's, you know, and and they're kind of like those guys who own ten thousand dollar bikes. You know, they they're mm. they're right into it. You know. Um, but for a lot of people, the hunting thing seems to be what they're attracted to. For and I think there's a lot of different reasons for that. I suppose the interesting thing, conversely, is that there is a hell of a lot of interest, interest, but there is very little knowledge. And what we've, you know, what we've tried to do is help fill that knowledge gap. So, what kind, you know, when you're talking about first gun and things like that, what what kind of questions are you getting? You know, what, so that you know we can capture. To help people along the way, so you know what are, what what what's the level of of I suppose knowledge they're they're bringing in those questions, and what kind of questions are they asking more specifically? In in general, I think one of the age old questions that will divide us will be, hey, I've seen this great looking rifle, I've seen some reviews that that's that generally is about the knowledge they come with, where they've yep. done some exploring, whether they've been to their local shop. Whether the, whether that customer's just done some YouTube and we just happen to pop up quite high on Google all the time uh, as a business, um, and and generally when they come to that, it's questions like, "Hey, what's the best caliber? 
Mm. You know, that, that, that is an age-old question. Mm-hmm. Um, what two do threes do you, like, go and speak to any any uh, guns shop guy and, and say, you know, the, the question that they get the most, and is also one of the most frustrating questions for a store worker, is what two do threes do you have? Um, but it's one question that I think we all have to start somewhere. And I think at that point in time, all of us can do a better job of making that new guy feel a little bit more welcome, I guess. Maybe not, uh, he's another one of these guys, you know. But but generally that calibre question is always a great one. Um, and optic, you'd be surprised, they might have picked their calibre and they get to the optic and optics can be quite scary for some people because there's so many, there's so many to choose from and go and speak to an old guy at the range, go and speak to someone that they think may have some knowledge, go on YouTube and optics are something that is just so, so such a wide topic and everyone has a different opinion on optics. Mm. So they'll generally come to us and, um, and come through that customer service window of, Hey, I'm thinking about this three to nine. Would that be good on this 22? Yep. Mm. Yep. And, and-, and I think that's the, that's the caveat for us. Yeah, and I think yeah. and Look, we're talking about talking about optics. I guess a, a question that I see a lot on forums that is around warranties. So obviously <laughs> Leopold Bushnell and all that they've got their lifetime warranties, um, and that, that's a question I see getting asked a lot. Now you guys manage the warranties of those here in Australia, don't you, for those products? Yeah. So, so any product that Nia distributes, we look after the warranty. Um, we always direct you back to your local dealer first. And there's multiple reasons for that um, because quite often that local dealer he will give us a call and we can sort you out on the spot. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes if it's a legitimate problem um, and we've got lots in stock, there's often an opportunity for, for and the dealer is more than happy to, to exchange it on the spot. If it's something that we can look after quickly, we will. Um, it's a little bit more difficult these days with... Um, some products that are technical, so thermal devices, mm. where there often can be user error in in the product. So quite often we see that product having to be returned. Um, but as far as warranty and backup goes, um, you can deal with, with us direct at work, but we in- encourage everyone to go to their local dealer because that's the port of call. Um, and that local dealer can quite often be best place to get you rectified mm. a lot quicker than uh, you know, if it's a firearm uh, from places like Western Australia to Brisbane with the current freight scenario that we have, yeah. mate, that could be a three or four week exercise just yeah. in freight to get it there. So if it's something that we can liaise with your dealer about and get it rectified there, um, we'll take that opportunity yeah. to, to do that. Um, yeah, but, uh, but on that, so, but if there's a fault with like a Leopold scope, for instance, you guys are not, sure. you're not sending that to, to the US to get rectified. You're dealing oh, with absolutely that locally. Not. Yeah. So yeah, locally, we've got one of the only loophole repair facilities in the world. Mm. So loophole traditionally have been very um, uh, cagey about letting their proprietary tools pass their front door. Um, and with the world changing regarding paperwork, um, to send a scope back to Loophole right now, you need an export permit. Mm. Um, to go and go through that export process yourself is not only costly, um, but it's not viable for most people just to do it for a one-off repair. So Loophole saw the need and 
we have the skill and the facility to, to put an optics lab in. Mm. So loophole, um, our techs have been both to loophole in, in Oregon um, to be certified and trained, as well as loophole come to us on a yearly basis to do tech updates. And we can actually build a scope from, from complete scratch there in our facility. So oh. um, if someone uh, needed, a, a, needed a, a small repair done, that often is, if we have the parts, and we quite often have just about 90% of the parts in stock um, all the time, um, you could get a small repair done in less than a week. Um, turn around. Um, one of the key features, I think, touching on the loophole brand and what we what we can do there in that facility is um, things like customization. You buy a loophole scope for your two, two, three. Um, five years later, eight years later, you're thinking, "Geez, I've, I bought another scope, and now it's now I'm going to put that scope on a um, 22." Well, the parallax on that original scope is probably set to 150 yards, and you're going to put that parallax 150 yards three to nine scope on a 22 now that really needs to be parallaxed at 50, 50. Yep. for a very small fee we can set that back to 50 for you so instead of having to go and spend another three four five six hundred dollars on a new optic you just send it back to the loophole.com.au fill in the quote form um it'll quote you straight away what what that cost is if you want to go to your local dealer the cost will be the same from the local dealer um, to get that done. Uh, generally, most people like to deal with us direct on that because quite often they'll go, hey, can you give it a service? Can you do this? Can I change the turret? Can I change the reticle? And that's the best part about having um, a loophole facility here in Australia because mm. many other brands has to go back to Europe to mm. get repaired or it has to go and if you want to uh, upgrade it or change it at some stage, you'll you'll need to go through a significant process. Um, we can do all the those sort of customizations, turrets, reticles, repairs, all in a matter of days, all to loophole uh, standards in the US. There's no difference whether we've built it here or they have. The quality control and build spec is the same. And the warranty so, the warranty is still valid based on that. Hundred percent. That's excellent. Mm. So to, to confirm, a lot of people get confused about lifetime warranty with loophole. Loophole is the life of the scope, not your life. Mm. So if you <laughs> if you give that to the to your kid for his twenty first birthday present, and something I've seen and had done for many people over my time in the trade has been happy first twenty first birthday Billy Bob, and we'll laser engrave that for someone on a on a nice rifle scope. Um, you want to that Billy Bob wants to give it to his son when he's fifty five or sixty. Um, that, that scope still has the same warranty. Mm. If you read glad, the fine... I'm glad you clarified that because the life of the scope for me was I dropped it on a rock, the scope's dead, it's no longer warranted. It's <laughs> 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 life over. Um, yeah. That's how that uh, can be read. Yeah. yeah. Mm. The, and, and look, when it comes to that, I've, I, I'm not going to speak too much out of school, but uh, it's not an unconditional warranty. But mm. I tell you what, if you've said, hey, mate, I genuinely dropped this. Uh, yeah. I've been a great customer. I've had three loopholes. Don't be surprised if you either get maybe it for free, that repair, or you get a significant reduction in the repair. I've seen that many times happen, not just from our end, even when we were getting it from loophole directly. Uh, those repair done, they, you know, we're, we're quite flexible on, on how we... Um, how we get that treated, and there's plenty of articles out there to back to back that yeah, up. Yeah, that's happened to me. I broke mine, 
You repeated it. Repeated it. Mm. That remember when we were down in Pilliger, John? Yep. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah, yeah. I had that, that lovely. Um, you know, what was it? It's the the X five, I think it was. The X five or six. Yeah. Yeah. And I um had because I carried my lefty, so I carried them, and uh, what I found was um the uh, illumination turret because it's got it's a three turret scope was just rubbing. And some mm. no, it, no, it wasn't illumination. It was actually one. It was, it was one of the. I think it was the the windage. I can't. It was windage. It was windage. One of them came off. Yeah. Um, it was goats. I went, hang on. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we literally, literally, uh, we set it up, shot at shot at a target. Went. That's where it's shooting. Gaffer taped it. Gaffer taped the thing. <laughs> Said, okay, I know, I know at 100 yards where it's going to hit with gaffer tape. Oh, Literally ah. gaffer taped the, the whole thing together. Hunted, did, you Shot know, hunted for the rest of the week. Yeah. Shot lots of goats. Mm. Um, and then went back and I contacted you guys and I said, hey, look, I broke my scope. Da, 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 and then, and, and they said, where'd you get it from? And I went, I got it from Madden on Target in Brisbane. And they said, okay, well, you take it there. And I said, oh, okay, sure problem. And Matt, when I came in, they were looking at me a bit fish-eyed. And I was going, what's going on? <laughs> and they go, did you call? And I said, yeah, yeah. And they're going, oh, they didn't ask you if, if you were for real or not because your story was so, <laughs> so, so oh, mate, I broke this. And I said, no, I just told the truth. You know, wow. they, they were kind of going, the story sounded really strange because it was the truth. Yeah. I broke it. There was no doubt about it. And it got repaired, yeah. So that was it. Yeah, it went, it went away and the new huh. turret came back. Yeah, but I literally I'm, I'm I broke it. Karen, it was it just, I remember it was that we'd be hunting. We were down there for, for a week. Mm-hmm. We, well, the, the trip was for a week and we'd been down there for three days and we hadn't seen anything. Yep. <laughs> and it was tough. It was really hot and tough. And we were just going, holy hell, you know, this is bad. You know, it's a pillager. You're supposed to have goats fall down the trees type thing. And then that day we got goats that mm-hmm. very, that day. And then in the, just there was, we'd actually me and John had shot a good one, and we and we and we ran into the other guys because we we hunt separately, and we, they just shot a really good one too. And then just after lunch, we bumped another mob. Mm. And I remember, and it was you know everything was going. And I looked at the rifle and went, "Holy moly!" You know, it's like springs. I said, "That's it for me." And I stopped. Like so, there's there's even Ferrari mechanics just remember that. Yeah, oh yeah. If you want a Rolls Royce, you got to have someone who can fix the Rolls Royce. Yeah. Rolls Royce, yeah, that's true. Um, I'm going to say, Jason, I'll get to test this out because my first rifle. I'm saying this cheekily now because I've just scanned your your list of brands. My first rifle was a Remington 700 270. That's my yep. first deer rifle, uh, and it had the Bushnell scope on it. And uh, on a Samba trip a couple of years back, I uh, I dropped that rifle. And it landed on the scope. Oh, wow. I've not been well, able to use that rifle since. Well, the rifle, the scope's still sitting on top of it. Well, the story goes, um, I dropped it. It's fair upside down. It landed with oh, the, um, the scope cap on a rock. Ugh. The scope cap. Ugh. Right, and of course, I've gone, oh, well, that's, that's a shame. I know it's still, <laughs> you know, I haven't broken the glass. It's all right. I'll just put the scope cap off. So as I twisted the scope cap off, all I could hear was... <laughs> 
And I'm like, oh, and, now I, and I've got no idea what my zero point is. So I've gone back as many clicks as my brain could remember I turned. You know, you get this muscle, you know, you know back again. You have to that right. I thought, oh, I can't go shoot the sound. I'm not knowing where the hell this thing is. Mm. I couldn't get the scope tap off. Right? It was dented yeah. too badly. So I hacked into it with my Leatherman. Right? So I've got a video of me <laughs> with my Leatherman with the, with the you know, the, the cut the tree down little blade cutting through the scope tap so I could get a hole in the top of it so I could pop the dent out and get the thing off, sight it, and then go hunting for a week which is exactly what we did. But unfortunately, uh, it doesn't work anymore. So, um, <laughs> I'm going to test your, uh, your, your friendly service and see what the quote looks like. See what we can do, mate. But like I said, no, the right. Loophole Custom Shop, we specifically look after the Loophole product there. Unfortunately, uh, Bushnell brand uh, is something with their warranty that we can only... Um, we can't crack them open. There's no parts available to us to work on that. So it'll be the old old fashioned if it's got, depending on which warranty and when it was bought. Because I'm glad. You know, yeah, see, that's the. It's it's a very Bushnell. Um, you know, not bagging the brand at all, but the they've had a lot of buyouts in recent decades. Mm. Um, you know, they've been bought and sold a few times, and um, they've changed up their warranty. So. We're, we're dealing with some of the old product under the old yeah. warranty and we're dealing with some new product under the new warranty and they are slightly different. Um, when it comes to warranties, uh, particularly with optics, if you go to the warranty section at the at the um, NIA website in the top right-hand corner, you'll see a little warranty tab there and there's Leupold, Bushnell, Tasco and Simmons, I think, optics warranties there. Yeah. So it's oh, quite wow. clearly laid, laid That's out. That's I haven't heard for a while. Uh, yeah, so Simmons is owned by Bushnell. Um, so, oh, which wow. is owned by the Vista Group, yeah. Uh, and and Simmons and Tasco and Bushnell are all under the same same banner. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, the old White Tail Classics. We still are, mm. are fixing White Tail Classics from from many years ago because they were sold with a with a lifetime warranty as well. So that's something that we do see um, come in from from time to time. Um, but I saw a, a loophole from nineteen sixty. Something they did a date check on the on the serial number uh, come in and it got repaired. It lost its gas over over the time somehow, and they resealed it and gassed it and sent it back on its way for that gentleman that was only about four weeks or five weeks ago. Wow! So it is, I think it's it, really impressive that that um, vendors are warranting products for life, like a lot of these ones are. Mm. Especially mm. in the, I mean, we're we're all very careful of our gear. You know, you spend a lot of money on the equipment, but sure. you know, accidents happen. We are in high risk situations, so mm. yeah, it is pretty impressive that this stuff gets warranted. Like mm. Yeah, I think the benefit that loophole, particularly, it's founded and owned by hunters. That's yeah. not, they understand. If I can say, shit happens sometimes in the bush. Mm. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it yeah. always happens. If it doesn't <laughs> happen, you, if don't. it doesn't happen. <laughs> You have you're not you're not you're not doing it right, basically. Yeah, that's right. If there's no if there's no kind of uh oh moment, then you're probably not doing it right, I reckon. Every trip's gotta have an uh oh moment. Well the it, the <laughs> uh oh moment's what you remember, it's what the yeah, story right. when, when you're sitting around the campfire like we are now, those are the moments that make that, that hunt worth talking about. That's that cultural benefit that we yeah. we get from sitting around a campfire and telling those stories and remembering oh yeah, shit, mate. remember when that happened. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I had not a moment when we were up in the territory. <laughs> oh, oh, Everything snake. went perfectly right, except for I didn't realise there was two buffalo instead of one. <laughs> <laughs> I had a moment, I tell you. 
Uh, right. That was an eye moment. So mm. yeah, so that it's true. So your gear does. I mean, that's what it is. You know, we're we're not we're playing for keeps. You, you need your gear needs to work, and it needs to work. You know, people talk about years hunting. I reckon it comes down to seconds, and you need your gear to work in those seconds, or it's mm-hmm. or, or it does it just doesn't come together. Being a some um, you know someone who's fundamentally interested in this stuff, is Redfield still around? Ah, so. Redfield was around and with us up until I think maybe two and a half years ago. Oh, okay. Uh, so Loophold bought Redfield from the old ATK company mm. about oh, 15 years ago, 18 years ago or something like that. And uh, I think uh, from my knowledge, Loophold has sold the brand to a large um, US-based company to i think the a big box store i think they've oh, okay. either sold the brand or they're ex- not making the product for distribution for other than that uh, th- there's been something going on i'm not quite 100 percent on that but it's it's not around in the australian market um probably just pr- year prior to COVID, i would think or about that okay, time. okay. yeah because yeah. that was one of those you know brands that once upon a time you heard a lot of yeah. Simmons, I mean, Tasco's another one. I mean, mm. once upon a time, you know, every second rifle scope was a Tasco. It would Tasco 3 to 9 by 40, that's it. That's right, Tasco yeah. World Class in Japan, that's 3 right. to 9 40. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> Tasco, Tasco, yeah, Tasco Japanese spotting scope, mm. great piece of glass. Mm. Ta- Tasco, uh, I can remember the first scope, I, I was in Foster's Firearms. And old Apple was in there in in Robert Street in Tamworth, and I think I was fourteen. And uh, Dad was uh, looking for a new scope for my ten twenty two. I think that he oh, just wow. bought me, if I recall. Uh, that was the year before Port Arthur, so <laughs> I wasn't allowed to shoot that for very long. Yeah, for um, a year, yeah, yeah. And I'd, I'd uh, graduated with the ten twenty two off open sights to to optic. And we went into Foster's Firearms and bought a Tasco world class silver antler, and I still have the scope. Wow, wow. Um, Japan made. And yeah. I, I tell you what, if someone was to go around and collect all those old Japanese Tasco world class, because there's a lot of them out there now, um, there's actually a little bit of, I think, um, collecting it can be done around. Mm. You know, there's, there's still a lot of good scopes out there, and that they're. they're you know, you can probably pick them up in the dealer's second hand bin for 50 bucks and, mate, probably put them on a good old 22 and have no drama with it and have yeah, a great I mean, bit of glass. They're Japanese glass. I mean, I, you mm. know, when I, when I used to do competition, if you could, for a spotting scope, if you could afford it, you know, you had European glass. If you couldn't quite afford European, you had Kawa. Mm. And mm. if you couldn't quite afford European, you, you found a Tasco world-class spotting scope. No, it just... Yeah, fantastic glass. In two thousand uh, 2010, ten, I happened to be working for Tasco Australia at that time in a in another life as a Queensland sales rep, actually at the time. And uh, I was on holiday at Dubbo and called into GunPro and saw Marty Burke, and he had one of the last six to twenty four Tasco world class target scopes yeah. made in Japan. And I purchased that, and I was working for the company, <laughs> and I purchased that quick hastily straight from from Marty Burke on yeah. on that um, that, and I still got that scope. But unfortunately, um, with the acquisition of of Bushnell and Tasco and Simmons all in the same same company these days, 
Um, the mother company have pushed Bushnell up as their premium brand. So Tasco has been pushed as, I guess, if you like, an everyday man's product in yeah. the US, US market. Um, so quite a lot of, uh, you can't see any, any Japanese Tasco product anymore. Um, and you'll see Japanese in the high-end Bushnell uh, brand, uh, but most of their mid-brand, we just saw the re-release of uh, 4,500 Elite in the Australian market this year. Um, it had been lost for several years. Um, it's a uh, Korean manufacturer. Um, I did some optics testing with, with the product with our team at, at SHOT Show and when they landed here in Australia. Um, and by all accounts, if you stack it up next to an old 4500 Elite, optically from what I can test at a low light rough test out at the farm with two scopes sitting beside each other on a, on a tripod, um, they stack up pretty, pretty similar. Um, it's very difficult to, to tell the difference. And I think that's the world's, a lot of these older Japanese made products are used by older factories where they use a lot of leaded glass. Um, and leaded glass means heavy, heavy product. Um, but a lot of the other Asian countries have developed, um, new machines, new processes, and quite often you can find that a Korean or or other made scope will be pretty pretty close to the old benchmark of the um, Japanese product. So I think Australian consumers don't be scared to um, to buy something that's not um, made in Japan because that mid product now for that five six hundred dollars is very good value for money and, and have a look at it. You'd be quite surprised as a new shooter, a new hunter, if that was what your budget was at five or $600, you'd, you'd find a great four to 16 or three and a half to 10 or something of that nature for, for many brands and you'll see good life out of that product. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a really good point because, you know, doing regular optics reviews, I mean, you know, having... I think I'm, I'm not, well, I think this is my 30, 60 year of owning firearms. You know, you tend to become, you, you tend to kind of become a bit of a snob, you know. So, you know. I was, if it doesn't end with ski, you kind of look at, look <laughs> down, you, know, you look down your nose at it, but you realise that, you know, and I, and I, and I kind of had this, this is an epiphany I had with my, with my boys. When, you know, when I had, when they were real little, I thought, oh, you know, he wants a 22. So here's a Bruno, you know, model two, 22, perfect gun for it, you know. Now that's a perfect 22 for me. <laughs> for a 12 year old kid, it should be like some lever action, you know, thing that he can bang around and drop around and, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and learn to use properly and actually get something out of it rather than, so, you know, you don't, with a lot of the optics, there's a, a whole range of optics across a whole lot of manufacturers who are in that mid-range that offer you really good opportunities to get good quality optics mm -hmm. um, without having to literally, you know, break the bank. Yeah. But okay. the trouble is you tend, to, you, you tend to be at the point where, you know, you own the stuff that breaks the bank, you've made the decision. Mm -hmm. And you've spent the money. And I've always said with, you know, Swarovski, they're never worth it until you buy them. 
And then you kind of go, yeah, this is worth it. And what would you call it, Ian? What's it? It's, it's massaging my eyes or something. Uh, massaging my eyeballs. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, <laughs> but that's the trouble. Don't, you know, just don't look through them and if you can't afford it. That's yeah. it. They're just they're, they are that level. They are that mm. quality. But that quality is is really really uh, you know hard for some people to achieve. You know, from mm. a price point, for a whole lot of different reasons. So there's a, there is a a really nice uh, bandwidth there in the middle of stuff that you know will give you very very good quality optics um, and very good options in quality optics without having to really you know go you know Suaro or, or or one of the big you know the the the, the kings of European kings and I think you know one of the tra- the, the the challenges is if you're new and you don't have that background to rely on. And your mate goes, yeah, I've got, you know, I shoot long range and it's got a, you know, it's got a light force on top of it and that costs this much and it's on a sled and, it, you know, and it's in a frame and mm. my bipod's made out of carbon fibre and it costs 3000 bucks per leg and things like <laughs> that. You think, oh, okay, well, I need that to be, to do something. And I think that that's a really, a, a, a great learning for people to go, you know, the middle of the range stuff will get you in the field or get you shooting It'll get you experience, and then you can make better decisions as you go. I to expand that conversation. We had a conference with some with some writers and some other guys uh, a week and a half ago, and a campfire conversation that we had at five o'clock in the afternoon after a big hailstorm came through um, was about optics and about um, where you are when you're a young guy maybe family obligations or a young family versus when you're 50 years old, you've got time to hunt, you're set up financially. Um, and this, the story that you just talked about, about other European brands, it, those, those brands, the high-end loophole, the VX6s, the, you know, name those European brands up that top end. It's something we all want to get to, but it's, it's very easy for, um, reviewers and, and, and people that are influencing the market to focus on those mm. and forget mm. about the bloke that's got 1500 bucks in his pocket and he wants to go and experience a genuine hunt, feed his family with their first bit of backstrap off that fellow or that red. Um, and we don't all, we all start somewhere and it's very easy for a lot of uh, people in the market talking about products to focus on the high end but lose their focus mm. there and and the particular gentleman was talking about has a youtube channel and um he he has a lot of products that start with ski and pulled in their brand there's his two main brands and he admitted after careful reflection that it was a tasco world class that started his journey as yep. many mm. other people's and i think we we need to need to get back to that because I think that enables <clears throat> more hunters to feel uh, I, I should competition these days I, I just got a brand new 6x47 Lapua custom rifle built on a $5,000 action um, with a Mark V loophole which is a $5,000 scope with the appropriate stock so on and so forth to shoot my first go at PRS um, and when, when you go to the PRS range, and I've experienced this at hunting before, you go to a PRS range and you see every guy on the range has 10,000 bucks worth of kit mm. and you go, 
hey, I've just had a baby, I've got mortgage to pay, I want to get into this, but where I don't feel I can achieve it. Yeah, and, how can and I I've, compete? Yeah. yeah, how can I compete? Uh, I, I shot some bench rest a few years ago, um, shot the 2017 Nationals, and that was my first experience to see every person travelling across Australia with 15000 bucks worth of gear and having a, a new guy to the sport going, wow, how am I going to achieve and be a part of yeah. a part of this? And I've, I've had the same thing with hunting. One of the a few hunting clicks when I was I was young um, had some mates that were builders, and I'm a, I'm a lowly old mechanic by trade. And my mates that were builders were earning that you know eight hundred dollars a week, and I'm earning me three fifty four hundred dollars a week as a as a mechanic. And they were buying those big big brands, and I'm starting out with a second hand Ruger twenty Mark One twenty two to fifty, and they're they're buying the big stuff and. You know, it can you can feel a little bit um, beaten down. You can feel a little bit, you know, not a part of the group sometimes. If you know, because you can get some guys that definitely are oh, you're not in our group because you're, you know, you're a bit of a, you know, don't have the right gear. You know, so I'm, I'm always conscious of that when you're meeting new people and you're bringing new people to the sport. That hey, mate, have a go at my rifle, have a go at this, or you know, let's let's make you feel welcome. Be and don't worry about your gear because I think we've all experienced in, in different parts of hunting um, maybe not feeling as greatly welcome as you could because you, you do have an old Ruger instead of a, you know, instead of the latest yeah, whatever I mean, brand it is. And especially with people getting into it as a choice to hunt, you know, that you can see that kind of is a – and, I mean, you, as you're right with the, the, long, the practical long range, you know, that's expensive kit. You just see yeah. photos. You go, oh, okay, yeah, that guy's, that's that guy's. He don't have a boat. That's yeah. his. That's, yeah, that's his correct, boat. Correct. That's his boat. He's, 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 that's his <laughs> boat. You know, that's yeah. his hobby. You know, and you see that, and it, it can be. I'm, I'm, I'm sure it can be disheartening some people. Mm. Conversely, you know, lot. like people, people, you know, you see it a lot. Did you say we, we see it? We see it a lot. We yeah. get a lot yeah. of, um, a lot of listeners contact us after we put podcasts out. Especially with the gear reviews, not so much you know the reviews that you're talking about, the you know influencing market reviews, where you know we're just talking about the stuff that we have and we use every day, sure. uh, and you know we have people ring and they say, okay, we've or you know or messages and say, well, we've seen your videos, we've we've bought all that stuff, now where are the deer? So where, where do we go <laughs> wow. next? Like, and yeah. this is this is for real. Like people yeah. really really want to get into this stuff, mm. so they you know they they spoke up the information, you know, they look at the pack breakdowns. Okay, well, I, I didn't think about taking that, so I've got that in my pack now, and that's that's really great. Nothing substitutes time in the bush, oh. you know, as, as as a way to shoot an animal. Like it doesn't matter yeah. whether you've got a, you know, a, a top end rifle or not. If you're not spending time in the bush, then you're not going to shoot anything. Mm. So that should that should come first. But um, we had we we had a group just recently go down chasing samba in in uh, Victoria, and and it's great because we're part of the club. Um, and we're willing to share. Right? So we had new members mm. that met us at a dinner in um, in, uh, in Toowoomba after the the, uh, the show that they had up here, and they said, "Oh, we really want to join and come down to your samba trip." And we're really not sure, you know, just is my rifle good enough? Is my scope good enough? And but these guys, they'll jump on forums and they're like, well, "We're going to go shoot in samba." Well, you can't shoot samba if you don't have, you know, this scope with this 
you know, oh. tiny little magnification because you're going to be bush hunting. Well, shit, I've got a four and a half, five, whatever. Yeah. I can't hunt sand. I'm like, bullshit. Mm. Like, just yeah. take what you've got and go and spend time in the bush. Yes, you might not have the the most optimal setup for that, but if you're going to go shooting sample once a year from Queensland, sure. you're not going to go and buy a specific sample rifle with a specific yeah. sample scope to suit that one hunt that you might see a sample. I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, they did. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was great and had a, and a really good time, but it wasn't the scope that stopped them, and they had that mid-range package. Um, mm-hmm. I've been in situations where I've doubted my setup you know, being good enough because you're down to those tiny last seconds of low light where, you know, if you had a slightly better one, you might be able to see for just those couple of minutes longer. And that magic hour or that magic few minutes right at the end where things start to come alive and pop up in front of you, if you don't have the right stuff, then you might miss some opportunities. But I also say, if your binos aren't as good as your scope, then you're never going to see what you missed out on and you won't be disappointed anyway. So just match your scope appropriately and you'll be just fine. Don't worry about it. Um, but there's, there's lots of ways of thinking about it. But you're bang on. People should buy what they can afford. Forums are great, but how often do you jump on a forum and some poor bloke's saying, what scope should I buy? Oh, they walk out the door unless you got this one. Like, just save yeah, a bit longer. Don't go hunting yet. Save longer. Get a better one. Um, man. The, the best equipment you can ever have is the gear that you already got. Yeah, yeah. If, if, you can afford. Yeah, mate, absolutely. If you've already got a rifle, and as long as the caliber can do the job, um, mate, put a better bullet in it. Put a, you yeah. know, if you need to, if you've got a lighter caliber, a two forty three, you're going for a, you know, and your state allows you to hunt with that two forty three, that particular species. Put a heavy hundred grain solid construction bullet. It's going to give you a bit of penetration. Get out there with the equipment that you got. And worry about the other stuff because, you know, the the brands will come, you know, as you get confidence. But a lot of people can get put off by, mate, that's that's fuel money. If you've gone and saved up for a bit more, um, you know, to, to buy that brand name scope at that ultra high-end price, that could be two trips worth of fuel money. You could have been out there and done it and mm-hmm. got the experience and met five new people and, Got access to new properties and oh, new, so you, a new a new community and let's be you know. real that that's a trip to New Zealand and back. Um, <laughs> right, honestly, the, the price you can pay for some of those scopes. But you're right. And look, let's not block, let's not block, let's not not high end brands. No, if you can afford it. It's great. And you know, as you, like I started competition shotgun shooting some some time ago, and I started with a, a cheaper shotgun. And mm. as I progressed through the ranks and into into you know double A's. I then upgraded the shotgun. I wasn't going to sure, start with yeah. a $10,000 $10, shotgun to start with. And you do that with your hunting gear. Um, mm, there's yeah. always horse trading within the club. Oh, you know, there's always borrowing and doing things. But I think the message is just get out and do it. Yeah, and, uh, uh, simply buy the best you can afford. Yeah, and that's, it. Yeah. And that, that's the line. So, you know, and even with the, you know, the big M brands, there's, 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 even within that, there's entry points. Sure. Yeah. I, I, uh, VX of, Freedom in loopholes are perfect yeah, example. One of you know, the, it's a one, four fifty five hundred dollar optic. And mm. one of the other things I find is is especially in the optics conversation is that we're kind of getting into the uh, for a lot of people it's like this um, uh, magnification arms race. Mm. Oh, yeah. You know, 
it's got to have the, if the front glass is not 56 well you can't see anything yeah. you know and, and you know if, and if you if you can't wind it up to 25 then you're not going to see anything yeah it needs to be fit for so the i think you know you, and of course that just adds to dollars you know that's mm. just a multiplier of not only magnification but it's a multiplier of dollars so you know having a a, a, a more appropriate scope for your general purpose you can still buy a good quality brand scope and and find the the right model in that in that particular mo- that brand's range and actually get something that's far more suited to what you're doing um you know and that's a, that's the whole question you know people say we actually john and i did a, a um and we did a and we did a, a podcast called caliber craziness where we just kind of went through it, and that's actually got one of the best responses because we just really just broke it down. Mm. And then we did an, another one on rifle on optics. And that just, you know, but ultimately it's get started, get you find your entry point, mm. get into it and and start and start exploring. I mean, I've made plenty of mistakes along the way, but I made them through, you know, practical application. Mm. Don't know, okay, that, that doesn't work in this situation. Okay, I'm learning that now. Mm. Um, but you also learn what works exactly in those situations. And there's, some, there's, some un, there's some people in, that, that come into this that aren't very technical. It, it was a loss of years before I even really understood that you could take a calibre and option up the grain size. Mm-hmm. So I just went and bought the same bullets every time. I didn't even consider that you could, you know, create a you know a different rifle out of the ammunition that you chose. Mm-hmm. But try to take that the scope that you had on your. Um, your rifle when we went to the MT, if, if I'd seen that two years ago, I would have told you it was on backwards. It didn't look <laughs> right. It was the wrong shape. Um, you know, there's, there's perceptions out there that, you know, if you're new into it and you, you don't understand it, it can take a long time to, to get there. So you take people's opinions and, you, you know, mm-hmm. you get the standard. It's, it's bizarre. Uh, Do you want to kind of, like, learn from, from people that have been around it and you'll get some great advice? Yeah. I think the best experience with clubs, no matter the, the discipline, whether it's hunting, whether it's, discipline shooting is like anything in life listen to all the opinions do your own research Mm. and then make your own own choice because clubs and associations are a great resource but everyone skins the cat something different for how they like to do it yeah so as if i can give some advice to any new hunter out there is get involved meet people like yourself and but make your own choice at the end of the day see what thinks you 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 know mark you said it great you're going to make some mistakes along the way we're human you know sometimes that setup that we bought might not work perfectly for us in three years but i, I tell you what the 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 more time you make up your own choices those lessons will be learned better than hmm. than just taking what other people tell you to do definitely yeah. I, I do not own a rifle that looks like when i bought it <laughs> <laughs> There is well, no rifle that looks like that, except for actually there is one. I bought a little lever, ac- lever action for my son, and I haven't played with it yet. Yes. <laughs> so it is as as it was supplied, but everything else has, has changed. You know, scopes up and down, brings a whole lot, all that mm. stuff, and you just you just keep experimenting, you keep getting better. And you know, it's funny that advice. I was, I was at the range, Belmont Range, many years ago, and there was a young guy. And he had a one of those lovely um, stainless marlins in thirty thirty, 
And he was struggling with it. You know, he was struggling to get it on paper. And he was sitting next bench and I started talking to him and he's, and he's quite despondent and he said, oh, my boss, my boss laughed at me when I bought this thing and he said it, it won't kill anything. And I said, mate, that gun has probably killed more game <laughs> than any other gun ever made, except for possibly the Model 7 under Remington. I said, that thing is, is, was for many years the world's deer gun. That was it. Mm-hmm. You know, white-tail mule deer, they felt, you know, not by the truck load, by the container load of two or thirty thirty. That that'll work. I'm I'm pretty sure. Uh, uh, you know, I don't know about the rest of you guys, but I, I read a fair bit of American content as well because I, I find they've got some good good information out there, and mm. a lot of those field and stream articles mm. and magazines like that all rank thirty 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 oh six mm. um, in the top five game cartridges worldwide as as far as. You know, everyone's got a slightly different opinion of whether which ones at one and two and three, but you know, thirty 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 oh six are always in the mix for falling the most game worldwide yeah. and doing the best job. Yep. So, you know, a, a cartridge like a thirty thirty, it's been around for what a hundred and forty two years or something like that. Hundred and it'd be 90. about a hundred and forty years or something like that. Um, mm. You know, a cartridge like that is still an effective cartridge um, than yeah. as it is is today. Yeah, and, 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 and in fact, it's know, probably got more effective because you know technology better, improvements, factory oh, ammo yeah. being what it is, the fact that you can get you know polymer tip thirty thirty <laughs> now, so you can get a ballistic outcome out of it. Um, the whole Mate, if all you had, if you want to go deer hunting or proper hunting for the first time, and you have been a shooter. In Western Queensland or Western New South Wales, on a property, and you had a thirty thirty to chase pigs, don't be afraid to hit that that bush and go and find yourself a deer mm-hmm. yeah, because definitely. mate, that's going to do everything that you you need it to do. Yeah, well, as a as a as a, as a poor apprentice, left handed, that's where I started with lever actions because it couldn't. It took me many years to be able to afford a left handed bolt action. So I started with lever, mm. lever action, so I've got a soft spot for them. And so, the only, work. so were you one of these lefties that shoots left shoulder and cycles the bolt right-handed with a right-handed gun? Uh, gen- you- how do I do it? I haven't done it with so long with a righty. A, a lot of guys uh, sort every, of do everything, it. Everything's on left. Everything's on the left because I'm left-eye yeah. dominant and the whole lot. Okay, mm. yeah. I think I used yep. to kind of do this. Weird, well, so I, I, I used to pop it up and cycle it that yep. way. Mm. Yeah. That's why. Oh, I, um, I, that's when I, when I could afford it. I got rid. Of, I never went back. I mean, it was always weird, kind of. I got a, an old mate yeah. of mine from Walker in New South Wales that um, shoots. He's right-handed, right eye dominant. Everything about him is right-handed, except for he shoots left-handed mm-hmm. with his left eye and cycles it with his right hand because his dad shot left-handed with yeah. right-handed oh, guns oh. and that was how he's taught to shoot that's, right. that's what he does <laughs> i've never been right. able to convince him to get by a left-handed gun yeah. <laughs> right, i got a topic change quick topic change sure. um we could talk about this stuff for ages but i want to hit you another question um being in the marketing world um for uh, naya like you are you have access to some pretty cool stuff as it comes to market you play with um, hopefully I'm not asking an inappropriate question here, but I, I assume you get to go and play with all of this stuff 
or you know as it comes out you get to pick and choose and play and and test and do stuff with it is that part of the gig um you're not that lucky we don't have that much time uh 50 50 on that one um so that that one's uh when, when you go to shot show they have industry range day on the monday and you do get to to actually play with the brand new stuff they release most of the time then uh, if it's something that's released mid-year, uh, most of the time it's six or eight months before we get our hands on the product. I was mm. lucky enough to shoot the uh, Marlin SBL 4570 Ooh, yeah. made by Ruger, mm. the only one in the country I shot yeah. last week. Nice. Um, okay. so... You can't pull it out of the arms cupboard, sign it out and go up to the pig block. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> we we have a hundred meter range in our facility, so we we oh, get yeah. to uh, oh, we get to use that in there. Which so, yeah. which model is that one? Is it the um three stainless the three three six or is it the eighteen ninety five or whatever it is? Eighteen ninety five stainless big loop. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Mm. that's what I want. Yep. So and Ruger's- or a guide gun or a guide gun. Uh, well, they've just released uh, last week. Ruger announced Ruger slash Marlin because that's mm. who they are these yeah. days. Uh, Marlin just announced their eighty ninety five Guide Guard version. Yeah, mm. that's and, and we might see it in a year's time if we're lucky. Yeah, based mm. on the current supply situation. Mm. Speaking that's of supply, do that. you see ammunition supplies improving, or is that going to be an issue for a while? Um, what do you struggle to get? No, it's just uh, general, everything. Everything. everything? Ammo. <laughs> so I'll, gi- I'll give you a tip. Except for one. Except for one fifty-five. So casings. Look, don't get me wrong. We get we we have product coming monthly. Many containers. Our situation is it's not enough to cover our dealers' back orders because our dealers' back mm. orders in Australia have in- increased the same as America's have increased for multiple reasons. Look at the dollar. If you're a business right now, we've lost 13% in the dollar since our new price list came out in January, January February this year. Mm. Um, so if you're a business right now and we had some stock, you know, you'd be buying bigger quantities and reordering and trying to beat price rises and material um, rises. Uh, I think the, I think the long answer is, we're definitely going to see um, ammunition um, and component shortages for years to come. I, I'm seeing the accessory market already um, improving. We've got lots of accessories on the way, and we have plenty in stock of many. We might not. I first want to say we're not going to have everything, but we have quite a bit of a lot of uh, products. Um, but ammunition is going to be the thing that is the most difficult to get uh, and components for, for the longest amount of time when it comes to, mm. you to mean that. By, you mean reloading components? Reloading components yeah. will be the longest delay. Um, ammunition will be the next. Um, we we uh, Many conversations I've had with our ammunition companies in the last six months, and all of them said uh, they are many, many years, and I won't repeat the number, but they are many, many, many years in back order for wow. ammunition and components. Wow. Yeah. Um, so it's it, we really are at, at the mercy of that. But the bright side is a lot of the other product is starting to come back online, but um, definitely with ammunition, get, get your hands on it when you can get it. I'll give you a little short story. Again, that conference I was at last week, I had to take the 100 rounds of M6.5 Creedmoor out of our showroom to be able to um, shoot 
down the range because we do not have a round of 6.5 Creedmoor in all the codes, and I think we probably have 30 codes of 6.5 Creedmoor at least on offer, and I'm probably underestimating that, and we don't have one one single part number available. So mm. well, we had some in the showroom, and I went and grabbed it out of the showroom just to be able to, to, to test the rifle. So We need local, local um, manufacturers, what we need. Mm. Uh, yeah, look, yeah, def- definitely definitely need more of that. Probably exported, Johnny. Probably. <laughs> oh, not at all. Not at all. Not at all. No. Um, yeah. And one one rumour I can quash, no 155 artillery shells <laughs> are not filled with trail boss. Um, we have had several rumours and emails from consumers um, speaking about trail boss loaded in artillery shells and What's no, they boss? don't like yeah, what is that? Uh, ADI powder. It has a nothing guy, to do with the guy in the factory with this. Equipped that one wrong. Oh god! Yeah. Oh, where's the puller? <laughs> uh, unfortunately, we we have had that come across our desk a couple of times. It's come across oh, my desk. Okay, so that was uh, the it's problem. Had some com- that's why we got shortages. Uh, the reason's yeah, not uh, available is because you're pouring those one fifty fives. Unfortunately, that is not. Correct. So wow. oh, I thought I'd just knock that on the head while we were talking. <laughs> mm, wow. But yeah, uh, some poor yeah. bloke up there now having to un- um, pull those shells so I can get it back in the market. <laughs> Is there, um, there any, any new products coming out that, that you're allowed to share oh. that we should get excited about? Or um, I I think, let me think now. Or something you're excited about? Mm. I, I tell you what. Out of, what's the hot product? I, I think... It's been out for a little while now, the BX5 Santiam range in, in Leupold. Uh, it's their very high-end uh, European equivalent. If you've, you, you know, we spoke about some of them brands. Mm-hmm. If you look at the price point, you'll save a significant amount of money. Go and do a low-light test, and you'll find that uh, they stack up um, all the way at the top. Uh, it's mm-hmm. a great product. I think we've, we've underestimated... Uh, again, and it's not necessarily a, a deer hunting thing, but it's still a hunting product. Uh, the Bushmeister BAX12 um, that we've released to the market, um, we are finally seeing them come through every month. Um, I looked at a pile of camo, um, I think it was 12 pallets or something of of um, Bushmaster BAX12 20-inch camos. They're turned a, up. They're a, what's the name? Straight pull 12 gauge. Is that correct? Uh, they're a lever release Le- uh, 12 lever. gauge. Mm, lever yeah. release. Right press right. the button, throws it yes. forward, pull the trigger, blows back, press the button, pull the trigger. That's right. Um, so that's a, a product, and we've, we're getting them through very regularly right now. Um, so we're pushing those through. A, a little product that is is not, again, it's it's a fun, you know, when you go on that hunting trip and you've got a bit of downtime, and you end up shooting a few tin cans or something of that nature. We're not allowed to do that in Safe Forest, sorry. Correct. But uh, <laughs> on private property, it's on tend to... Property, yeah. Yeah. On private property, yeah. I'm talking about ammo shortages, man. Who shoots tin cans anymore? Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's well, right, mate. Who can afford to shoot tin cans anymore? <laughs> With my Creedmoor, I can't shoot. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Mate, uh, the, the Cordwell Claymore uh, little target throw, it's... It's a foot-operated mechanical, no battery. I saw that weird thing. Yeah, it is so cool um, that we are going to get a container of those guys uh, yeah, in the coming that. months, and that is something that is just fun. Like that's the way you get people excited about getting out into the field, no matter what mm-hmm. your you know what your endeavour it is. If you're out in the field and you can 
have a bit of reactive fun and it mm. kills that downtime through the day. Um, and, you know, no battery, has a 50 stack. Mate, nice. that little product is something that's pretty cool. But mm. um, <laughs> That sounds like fun. Um, pardon? Yeah, it sounds it's, like it's, fun. It's, yeah, I, 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 I <laughs> yeah. saw something about it. It looked quite interesting. Mm. Uh, but, but definitely anything in that BX5 Santiam range, I'm a little bit excited about, and that's because I'm trying to find the money to buy one for, for myself. It's so, a, a BX5, okay. Yeah, BX5 Santiam. They do spotting scopes and uh, in the loophole range, and they do binoculars. Yeah. Uh, and if you get a chance to have a crack at looking through one of them, if you're, you're keen, um, they are a, a great bit of kit and will stack up against anything you'll throw at it, in my opinion. Mm. Okay. There's good. a couple of quick ones for you. Because to, to completely um, contradict myself, I noticed that Swarovski have got these little spotting scopes coming out. They're about that big and mm. very interesting looking. <laughs> uh, those, uh, the, the little guy I saw, yeah, in, little, is, is it like spin? It, like the, it little, can go from an angle orange, to a straight? A little orange, uh, yeah, um, tilt angle, um, mm. angle spotting scope, little tiny backpack one. Yeah. There's been a few of those in the market in other brands o- yes, over the I've years. Yes, I've got a little cowl one. Yeah. It's a great little thing. Yeah. I've yeah. saw that. Um, got... Loopholds had a, like a little um, 20 power that's been that big for, I think, 20 years. They got that that one uh, that where it's you, you, the, the eyepiece is above the lens, that, the old yeah, box so got... one. But that was, that's quite a famous... Mm. Spotting skirt by loophole. I come it's actually, actually used by our, a lot of our defence force. Yeah, that's it. It's, yeah. You see that very heavily is in, in defence. That one. That's it's because it's, it's. It's. I suppose it's much more compact in a way. Here's here's a question for you guys. Straight tube spotting scopes in your experience versus angled eyepiece. Because in my world, I'm seeing a particularly out of the US market a lot of push to straight straight spotting scopes for backpackability so yep. you can go down that mind. yeah are you, are you seeing a, a trend towards that away from angle? Oh, i'm not going to call it a trend i could I, I could i could break out my swarovski one and show you <laughs> <laughs> mine's straight mine's straight and it purely for the passability yeah and yep. uh, completely incorrectly but the re- the other reason i bought it was that I figured that if you didn't have to bend light, it was going to be better. But that's just not how they work. My brain said do this, uh, but the packability certainly was an important part. Packability and and also in a in a lot of ways, friendlier usability. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, an angled scope certainly has its place. Uh, you know, if you're looking up. And mm. things like that. So you're in, you know, Alpine regions, so. New Zealand, or you're in Alpine country. You know, mm. or like mm. in the, you see them in British Columbia, and where you're sitting down and you're looking. There's the sheep up the hill, so you're sitting down comfortably, and so the scope's in front of you, and you're looking up. But I found that from a, if you're like out in the scrub and you go, oh, there's something at distance, it's much easier to get a to get the straight one out, put it in a. a in a smaller tripod, sit on your bum and just, you can, you know, you mm. can kind of look at what you're looking at and then bang, you get it. Mm. So I actually went straight on, um, on my, on my, my bigger spotting scope. I've got a little angled spotting scope. And the reason why I went a little angled spotting scope is technically because it's so short, it's actually a little bit more compact as an angled. 
but my biggest spotting scope um, is straight, and uh, it just make it does make a lot of sense in most applications. Like for instance, Dave, when we when when I'm most using a spotting scope, I'm not looking up. I'm looking maybe a level of elevation, but it's more flat. So I'm actually kind of sitting there looking at the thing so I can get the scope and use it that way. I find that that just makes more sense to me. Another little product which I think will speak to you guys, um, very hunting related, is is really come up in the marketplace for us. Is uh, things like bog death grip infinite backpack tripods the amount of tripods that are being sold in the australian market for hunting now is unbelievable i'm talking tripods are they using them to shoot off yes in hunting situations yeah oh Um, yes i see what you mean so it's like yeah yeah Yeah. infinite carbon carbon tripods you can use your rifle in it you can use your spotting scope in it um i've the things like Spartan systems that come with Spartan, um, you yep. know, we're the Spartan distributor these days for Australia. We, we picked up that in May. Um, and we've just tripods in general. Like mm. I've been full-time in the trade for um, about 14 years now. And I've never seen a dealer in the country have six $350 or $400 tripods sitting on his shelf and they're mm. selling i mean i'm a so, i'm a big fan of the spartan kit i've got a number of their pieces i think it's excellent it's such a lightweight kit so modular so you can pack it away when you want it you can pop it on the rifle um but saying that i've also got a primos trigger stick that i carry with me so um i, I love it I, I i use it all the time i can put my so do you use the davros head on your primos trigger the, stick? i've got the davros plus i've got a um a bar pod as well yeah watch out for some other stuff coming with um, from other large manufacturers with uh, Spartan adaptability, let's say. Okay. Yeah. That would be interesting. That wasn't going to take long. Yes. <laughs> so I, keep, I, keep your eye, eyes clear. Yeah. I came across Spartan in, in the UK and actually reviewed them in the UK for Australian magazine through um, uh, through Ray Trade UK at the time. Um, yep. Um, but in terms of learning, that's one of those things that I've learnt that I don't use. So ah, right. I've, 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 they're there. So I've given away um, bipods and things like that. I actually, I find them, yeah, I, I, I haven't figured out, my hunting just doesn't suit them. I just don't. Every, you know, everyone's different, mm-hmm. but I've we're seeing got an appetite a, I've, now, I've got a sure. very good quality bipod in the in the, in the in in with the gun stuff and it, it pretty much sits there i've i've tried to use it i use a tripod for the camera that's a different thing mm. but um for a, for a hunting situation i just haven't found that that's what it is it's interesting because eh? i love it and you guys put me onto it mm. um and i've only just recently stuck it on my rifle and it suits me completely because i don't want a bipod on my rifle when mm. i'm bush hunting but every mm. now and then you get that situation where you just want the, the bipod and yep. you just flick it's it out of the rig. I mean, I carried it on. It, yeah, I carried it. I had a Harris on my, my rifle for years, and then I found the oh, spot on kit and just oh. pop yeah. it on when you need it. Otherwise, it sits in the pack or sits in your. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, one one little adapter for all your rifles and the yep, same, that's the same it. bipod yeah. stays in my bino rig. Mm. Yeah, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. A yeah, great I'll, thing we're starting to see is um, we've got the gunsmith adapters in stock. Mm. Yep. And the amount of 
people buying two gunsmith adapters and having them permanently suck into their yep. old rifle. Mm-hmm. One at the front where you traditionally would mount your sling swivel or your your um, sling stud, uh, and one towards the magazine or the floor plate, so they can do a tripod if they, they mm-hmm. want to. And I, I, I've just, that's blown me away because coming from an area where you wouldn't have seen a tripod for, a, you know, hundred kilometres. Mm or even thought about packing a tripod and now packing a tripod. And and, and I took this to people like um, Meat Eater and yep. mm-hmm. they are packing that stuff up. Randy Newberg, those American guys are starting to filter down in the Australian, um, Australian ideas right now. And, 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 oh, geez, we can use that. And the popularity, I'm sure you guys are seeing, of long-range hunting is really, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm not a great, mm-hmm. I'm not a great fan of... Um, distance shooting a game, but there's some people that have the knowledge and the tool and the equipment to, to partake in that. Mm. Um, but let me tell you that that field uses those kind of tripods and, and systems, we'll call them hunting systems, um, very successfully. Yeah. And they're, I mean, they're, they're heavily influenced by, you know, when they're hunting in the, you know, what the Yanks refer to as their Western environment. So the, mm. you know, you've actually got potential for long range shots, but you also got the, very little cover or very little natural support and things like that. Yeah. Um, I think it's again, it's horses for courses. Generally, I'm I'm I generally hunt in scrub, so mm. I actually find they're getting away a little bit. Sure. Mm. The only yeah. time, um, the only time I've ever reached for them is when I'm hunting reds, because you know you often you know, transition, so you might have the two to three hundred view, but more more than likely, you know that game's at within a hundred. 100 yards i mean those buffalo are at 40 yards so mm-hmm. yeah that's right <laughs> you get to paint the rifle out there yes correct correct <laughs> correct correct and, and and it started at 40 yards and ended at 20. so you know <laughs> so that's it so that was it you know so even so it, it's again it's that application but mm. certainly if um if that's what you you want to go towards there's a hell of a lot of options I mean, I've got a Spartan on it, and I just find that it just doesn't work for me in most situations. Hmm. I um, you talk about Western American hunting. Uh, I just started planning a U.S. pronghorn hunt for next Ooh. for next mm. year with uh, one of my work colleagues for my fortieth birthday next year. Oh, so wow. nice. I'm getting a little bit excited about that because there's a lot of pronghorn stuff starting to hit hit yeah. YouTube, and yeah. I consume a bit of that, and I've got. My U.S. counterparts manufacturers sending a few, few pictures, mm. you know, of different game. You know, some of their seasons are are opening now, so it's always a good time to, you know, have your international friends send you their their yeah. pictures, which is getting my blood boiling about going. And I've always wanted uh, pronghorns quite high on my my list to go and uh, go and have a taste of, and hopefully get the opportunity to plan that out. Uh, as we over the next couple of weeks, particularly, so yeah, oh, good. Oh, good luck yeah, with that. Great fun. for sure. Ugh. Hey, um, mindful of time, we've we've nearly hit two yeah. hours, um, sure. so be, be, we will have to wrap. Um, but we we have some pretty uh, tough questions that we have to ask you before we let you go. Um, sure, they're the hard ones. Mark, do you want to crack on with the first one? Sure. So if you're if you say, "Hey, John, I get me a sandwich," and it, you say, "I want a ham and cheese," are you expecting there's going to be tomato on that, or is it just ham and cheese? Ham and cheese. 
There we mm. go. Thank you very much. Hand in chase. That's a win. Heading, That's a win. Heading, <laughs> heading off to your next hunting trip uh, by yourself in the car. What are you playing on the radio? I'm playing Riley Green. I'm playing Riley Green. Um, Grandpa's never die, probably, or Luke Coombs, but probably Riley Green. Did you get tickets? I did not get tickets, but I was lucky enough to see Brad Paisley the other Mm -hmm. night here in Brisbane. So I did get to see Brad on my wedding anniversary. Thank you to my darling wife. Wow. Who who was? Who was? uh, What was the artist that you spoke of? Uh, Riley Green. Ian's a big country fan, so he's googling that right now. I see. Write it down. <laughs> the only reason we ask these questions is to expand my spotify. To that point, um, uh, do you have a favourite book or a book that you would recommend people pick up and have a read of, other than your catalogue? Sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I won't say the Nia magazine, but I'll I will say <laughs> yeah. a really a really good uh, read uh, is Eva Shockey's book mm. um, on I think it's called Broadhead, but Eva Shockey, who's Jim Shockey's daughter, mm-hmm. um, that her book about hunting as a female, I never thought I'd enjoy, um, but some of the stories she talks about for Jim's hunts in the early days. Her experiences in Alaska, um, some of the best hunting stuff you'll ever read. And if you download the audio book, she narrates it herself. That's good. Okay. Cool. Wow. Awesome. And she went to Bond University here in Queensland. Did she? So really? Wow. She did. Wow. She studied here. So that's interesting. Uh, that is a really good story of someone who is a ballet dancer by trade and didn't want to be a part of dad's business and got into hunting in the 20s and look where it's taken. Mm. Wow. So awesome. great, it's a great story to hear. That sounds good. Uh, one from myself. You pull into the servo. Are you uh, are you buying yourself a $1 coffee or are you uh, avoiding that completely? Oh, $1 coffee? <laughs> what is that rubbish? Mate, <laughs> $1. Are you talking about like the 7-Eleven yeah, $1 sh- coffee? Yep, oh, that's, the one. that's the one. Oh, no way. Good. Mate, I, I would rather see you get some... Uh, get some Makona or some of that. I tried that dog and gun stuff the other day in my jet boil and, mate, you tried that stuff? Yeah, the little, yeah. Yeah, mate, a lot of all, it. Mm. all over that stuff. Mate, I'd rather do that than pull in the dog. And pull it, <laughs> and turn it up. <laughs> He's jet boiling on the desk. Good on him. <laughs> mate, I'd rather that than the $1 coffee. Good, good answer. Good answer. Um, what else do we have? There was another one, a really tough one. Oh, I don't know. I make this stuff up as I go. I know, oh, it's why they're so hard. That's, uh, that's, why, that's why it's so hard. I <laughs> so it was the, che- the sandwich is really important. It's the, what's on the, the radio. It's the coffee. There was something else, wasn't there? There was. I can't remember. Coffee? We'll send you an email. And <laughs> book, the book, wasn't it? The book, that's it. That's all of them. Maybe that's enough. That's no. enough. All, all the, uh, the, the other one for the food on the hunting trips, the... KFC Twister in the in the uh, Daihatsu Scat glove box for the eleven o'clock. <laughs> the Cuzzy eleven Pat. o'clock. Sale. We used to call those Cuzzy Pat. I worked at Kentucky Fried Chicken as a, <laughs> as, a, as a teenager. We called it Unlucky Fried Kitten. Um, 
I, I used to have a Daihatsu <laughs> scat we used to yeah, uh, shoot, yeah. shoot of and they had that yeah. metal metal glove box so you yep. could go through the drive through throw it in that metal glove box, blow the heater on it, and make it. Oh, well, she, she, she was gold. Oh, I, didn't, I never thought of that. I, I know the scats. My mate had a, there was the scat, and my mate had a, a Sierra and stuff like that. Yeah, but, no, I didn't realise. I never thought of it that. We Yeah, we, we were hot, you know, Brisbane, so never worried, need to... Never needed to keep the the, the Kentucky Fried Chicken warm, mate. Uh, and and great idea. Yeah, top of Nundle, mate, or yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, anywhere there in the middle of winter, oh, shoot yeah. a few foxes. Uh, anything that comes about, let me tell you, you'll you'll need uh, need the heater on. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, yeah that's for, sure. <laughs> <laughs> for the Wi-Fi tree. <laughs> We'll wrap it up there. That's been awesome. Thanks very much, Jason, for coming on the, the, the podcast. It's been great having you here. I know we've been talking about it for a little while, but um, some really good information and some really great ideas for, for New Hunter. So really appreciate that, mate. And um, we'll keep Anytime. in touch for sure. Well, yeah, it's pretty much keep in touch, guys. But uh, any anytime I can help out, happy to be on. Great, awesome. mate. Thanks, mate. Love appreciate it. it. Unreal. See ya. Thanks, guys. See you later, guys.